Everybody, welcome to the Atheist Experience Live. It's Sunday, December fifteenth, two thousand thirteen. I'm Matt Delhoney. This is Jen Peoples, the president of the Atheist Community of Austin. Woo-hoo. Hey, everybody. How's that working out for you? Uh, it's not too bad. Cool. Yeah. It wasn't too bad when I did it. Yeah. I, I managed not to screw anything up yet. All right. I think. Oh, well, have you fixed all the things that I screwed up? The bigger question. <laughs> this is a live public access television program. I have the number up on the screen. Wow, we didn't have any phone lines busy uh, about ten seconds ago, and now they're all lit up. Yeah. So, obviously, we'll have a, a bunch of calls today. I haven't been on the show in ages. Um, I, I haven't left. I'm back, uh, This, although this will be my last show for the year. I'll be on again after the first of the year. Uh, we've been moving and doing some other stuff. Uh, this Friday was Friday the 13th. Yeah. Did anything catastrophic happen? Bad? No. I, I went to a, a Christmas party. Don't tell the governor. Yeah. Because, you know, he thinks we can't do that or something. Yeah. And actually, um, so some interesting happens. I'll, I'll let you get to the email stuff. Yeah, There's sure. a couple things I was going to hit because normally I record, like, drive-home brained up videos and post them on my private channel. Uh, but I've been so busy with moving that I, I haven't actually posted any of them. Uh, so I'm going to hit on Christmas for just a second. Uh, on Friday, I was supposed to be on a Christian radio program uh, in Minneapolis which also streams live over the internet, but they were having problems with their phones, so they postponed it, and they're wanting to have me back after the first of the year, uh, which is a little unfortunate because they were actually talking about Christmas, and if they had me back after the first mm-hmm. of the year, I won't kind of get to yeah. s- say my piece. Um, but they were advocating for the angel trees, the Salvation Army thing, where people mm-hmm. put their uh, their children up on the trees, and then you go and you pick one off, and you get the items on their wish list, give it to the Salvation Army, and they bag it all up and... Um, just by happenstance, uh, my company volunteered to do charity work for the holidays, and I spent Friday afternoon from 1 to 4 at the Salvation Army thing stuffing toys into bags for kids. And somebody out there just went, you did what? Uh, because I have a lot of problems with the Salvation Army yeah. in general, but I don't have a lot of problems with doing nice things for people, as long as you're not you know, adding proselytizing and other stuff like that in there. And so it was really, uh, it was a little fun and a little heartbreaking uh, because unfortunately, you know, you'd have to, you'd get uh, a five-year-old boy or girl and you'd pick out toys and I had to set aside uh, some of my concerns about uh, gender-divided toys, about mm-hmm. what is a boy's toy versus what is a girl's toy. I had to set that yeah. aside. But I think, you know... Uh, we, we managed to make a lot of kids happy that way. Unfortunately, there were also some 12- and 13-year-olds. And at the, everything after age 10, uh, it, it starts to, it's slim pickings. Mm-hmm. They, are, they were very little clothes in the uh, 11-year-old plus range. Yeah. Very little age-appropriate toys in that range. 
Um, and that, I was like, there's a bunch of 12 and 13 year olds that are just going to hate me, but their little brothers and sisters are going to think I'm awesome. Yeah. Uh, except that they're not going to know that I did anything because it's all anonymous. But um, in the in the Christmas Wars, which have been fun this year for me to watch, oh, yeah. um, the only one I want to hit on is, is one quick one. Uh, Dave Silverman w- was on Fox News along with Bill Donahue from the Catholic League and Reverend or Rabbi... I'm going to butcher his name. It's Shmuley or something yeah, like that? Yeah, Boutique or something like that. Okay. I don't know. And they complained about a, a number of things, one of which is this uh, satanic monument that, that uh, the satanic group wants to put up in Oklahoma right next to the yeah. Ten Commandments monument. And uh, while I don't think we should have any there, um, and, and I think there's a really easy way to look at this. If I rent a house with three other people, mm-hmm. so you've got me as an atheist and I've got a Christian, a Jew, and a Muslim, and we each have our own bedrooms. We can decorate our own bedrooms and put up whatever religious or non-religious stuff we want, however. Uh, but the common areas downstairs, the living room, you don't get to permanently affix things for your religion because those are spaces that we share. Now, you can still make use of the living room and have a Bible study down there mm-hmm. if your bedroom is too small or whatever. As long as we're all in agreement, we work out a, a schedule that is amenable to everybody where we all have equal access and where one person isn't dominating. Um, that's pretty much the way the United States works or should work in that in your home, in your churches, even in your businesses in some cases, yeah. you can do pretty much whatever you want. And you can go out on the street in the public areas, the areas that belong to all of us, and you can wear your sandwich boards and talk about the end of being nigh and preach, and you can reserve the capital steps and stand up there and have uh, a full-on Christian service right there in, in a temporary sense. But when you start putting permanent displays up on ground that belongs to all of us, now we've got a problem. And since we haven't been able to get the courts to uh, really dig in on this and correct the problem uh, by removing those displays, I'm all in favor of let's let the satanic church put up sure. you know, an eight-foot-tall statue of Satan sneering at the Ten Commandments right next to him because maybe then people will voluntarily start removing uh, these permanent fixtures uh, before we pollute the landscape so much that it's all you see. Well, and, and this is the fallacy of this, you know, let's give everybody equal time stuff. Yeah. You know, it, because at, at what point does it become just absurd when you have, I mean, not that, you know, a crash and a satanic display side by side have gotten to the absurd point, but once we've littered the landscape with everybody's display out there, at some point it does get a little ridiculous. And as Rachel Maddow would say, what could possibly go wrong here, right? So the other thing that they complained about is uh, a Festivus pole made of beer cans (laughs) that's going up, I think, somewhere in Florida. Um, And and it was hilarious, first of all, to have uh, Bill Donahue and a rabbi um, kind of teaming up to complain about this. Yeah. I'll just say this uh, to Bill Donahue and the the rabbi who were there, you guys look like a couple of douchebags. You really <laughs> did. Um, this idea that you somehow own Christmas or the season is patently absurd. 93% approximately of people in the United States celebrate Christmas, and yet less than 80% are actually Christians, which means there's a whole bunch of Christ- people who are not Christians who are celebrating. Meanwhile, there are Christian denominations that don't celebrate Christmas. And 
when you look at Christmas, when we take back the stuff that Christianity stole from other uh, festivals and, and uh, Saturnalia and the solstice and things like that, um, it's the reason Christ- Christmas is so popular. It's first of all, it's commercial, and second of all, it's predominantly secular. Beth and I have actually driven around uh, over the last week or so and cataloged 460 some odd houses that had outdoor displays, point two percent of which yeah, had uh, anything yeah. religious at all. And now, granted, that's Austin. It's not necessarily going to apply in your neighborhood, but Christmas is not just Christ Mass. And if we took away, let's 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 get a divorce, Christians. Let's uh, let's start splitting up the Christmas property between the two of us, and you get to keep all of the Christian stuff that you brought in that that is part of your religion that is all about you know tied up in Christmas time, and we will take everything else that isn't tied to your religion, which means you get baby Jesus in mangers. Oh, and you'll have to move it because you don't get December twenty fifth. Because even if there was a Jesus, uh, according to your Bible, he wouldn't have been born around December 25th. So you get to move that to some other weekend or some other period of time. And we'll keep December 25th and we'll keep Santa Claus and presents and elves and eggnog and wreaths and decorated trees and outdoor lights and gift giving and charity and all these wonderful things that are actually what make the holiday fun. Now, I'm not saying that all atheists should celebrate, celebrate whatever you want for whatever reason you want, call it whatever you want, do it whenever you want. But when Bill Donahue and Rabbi Shmuley, I think it is, uh, go on TV to complain about a Festivus poll, they sound like a couple of children who walked into the Chuck E. Cheese on their birthday and found out that somebody else was having a birthday party too. And that's just not fair because (laughs) this is our time to have fun. You shouldn't get to have any fun. You guys look so absolutely pathetic, and it was so awesome to see Dave sitting there between you, just kind of smiling and shaking his head, going, "Can I? You know, do you guys need your diapers changed or something?" Hey, celebrate whatever you want, uh, call it whatever you want. There are atheists who are adamantly opposed to celebrating Christmas. I'm not one of them. I have a good time. Our house is decorated. I went to Christmas parties. Uh, I'm happy. I'm fine with Merry Christmas. I'm fine with Happy Holidays. I'm fine with Happy Kwanzaa or Purple Hair Day or whatever you want. Doesn't bother me at all. And the only ones ruining your Christmas, Bill Donahue, is you. Yeah. <laughs> because you don't want anybody else to have any fun. This was my holiday. And you know what? If, if we did do that division of, of uh, Christmas between us, um, Christmas is already only the second most important holiday within Christianity. Easter is the most important one. Uh, the birth yeah. is far less significant than the supposed death and resurrection. Um, but if you took away all the fun stuff that Christians glommed on to their religious holiday over the years and you were just left with the baby Jesus in a manger, um, Christmas popularity would be somewhere between Flag Day and Easter. Uh, and yet yeah. the December 25th Christmas that everybody else celebrates with decorations and parties and fun and time off from work would still be amazingly popular and fun because uh, we're not going to let you ruin it for us. Anyway, that's my whole take on Christmas. Yeah. Well, and and I, actually, I have a problem with the beer can Festivus poll. Why? Because a real Festivus poll should be lusterless and unadorned. That's how it's supposed to be. So, there you go. So now we have different denominations that's celebrating right. Festivus. A Festivus. You should you should dig into that and see if you can yeah. convert them back. This must be like the Festivus Reformation or something, you know. <laughs> 
Oh, no. Yeah, blasphemers. All right, so you wanted to talk a little bit about email before we... Well, actually, it looks like we got somebody on from Kandahar, so do we want to go ahead and take that call? Oh, wow. Let's, sure. Uh, let's take... Busby in Kandahar, Afghanistan. How are you? Oh, good afternoon. Good to speak with you. Um, I'm calling in today because uh, I've been... I, I work as a diplomatic security agent here, and uh, I've had a lot of years' experience in and out of uniform. And I've noticed that working in the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan, there's a whole generation of young people that um, I think it's opening their eyes. I'm seeing more people more aggressively moving towards sec secularism over here. And why do you think that is? I think seeing firsthand, uh, a, you know, how a fund fundamentalist Islamic Republic works gives them the notion of, okay, uh, this is why a Christian Republic of America might be a bad idea. Yeah. You know, they get to see firsthand uh, what happens when you muck uh, religion into government in every tier of society. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, you do have a, a, a large number of people, large contingent, that also just say, well, I can see that this is terrible, and obviously Christians are good and Islam is bad. Uh, you know, they don't see that they're... Uh, cousins less than uh, opposites. And it makes yeah. me wonder because, you know, I've heard statistics and, and I'm not going to be able to, to cite sources right here, but I've, I've heard that in Israel, roughly 50% of Jews in Israel are actually secular. Um, and I wonder if living up in that sort of environment where there's lots of hostilities and you see this uh, incredibly strong uh, entanglement between religion and government and what it actually produces and what kind of world uh, you actually live in. I wonder if that actually contributed to uh, the increasing secularization of, of Israelis. Well, I personally have observed that, you know, we had veterans from the previous wars of the century, you know, World War One, World War Two, that became kind of disaffected uh, in sometimes expatriates. Uh, and I, I think it drove just the whole general horror of war drove some people to secularism and shook their, their faith. But I think this war, uh, these, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan have more so, especially Afghanistan, just because of the religious subtext has, uh, has been very blatant. Yeah, and, I, you know, um, when I was in Saudi Arabia many years ago, I think um, that was a little bit different because in, in a lot of ways we were kind of shielded from some of the, uh, the more extreme elements of, of that particular theocracy. Um, but I, I think that it's not possible to shield people as thoroughly in Afghanistan, in part because it's easier to get news over there now. You know, there was a lot of stuff that went on, um, it, you know, in the first Gulf War that we didn't see until we got back. And, you know, we had friends and relatives who had been recording, um, you know, CNN and all kinds of news broadcasts for us um, for months. And so we, we things got filled in for us after the fact. Um, and, and even then, a lot of the atrocities that went on over there, we didn't see. Um, but I think that, you know, it's not possible to not see those things now in Afghanistan. Yeah, I remember. Uh, from a, I, I from was going to say, I remember. Here. Go ahead. Okay, I was going to say, from my experience here, I've seen it's, it's not just the religion over here. It's kind of a, a lethal cocktail of religion combined with illiteracy. Uh, yeah. You know, I make the joke, it's like the West Virginia of Islam, which, you know, I don't mean to offend people from West Virginia. Oh, go ahead, Ed. They I can't mean, write these, any protest these, letters. These social, 
<laughs> these folks will believe, you know, the imam is the only literate person in the uh, you know, village. Yeah. They'll believe whatever he says the Quran says, and he can just make it up as he goes. It, it, has, uh, a, a very, it has a shocking uh, parallel uh, to the Catholic Church when uh, most of the congregants were illiterate, and it was only the priests who would read the Bible, and they'd read it to you. Um, and so it expands that position of authority and keeps people uh, in the dark, which is how we ended up with the Dark Ages, which I would say, you know, if it weren't for the fact that that, that area, that region, is, uh, you know, surrounded by and, you know, peopled with individuals who are familiar with Enlightenment principles and, and a, uh, a modernized Western culture outside there, we would probably just look at this and be saying, oh, this is the dark ages of Islam. Well, I wanted to open the door uh, to you guys. You know, I've, I've been coming here since 2001. Uh, and, you know, just living here uh, amongst these people that are predominantly illiterate and fundamentalist in their religion, you know, if, if, you, if you had any curiosities, you know, uh, you know about the uh, things that you see on the news myth versus legend the you know versus truth of uh, you know how these people conduct themselves oh yeah yeah I believe it I, I think um, I think the stories on the news have not exaggerated the situation there um, if anything they've probably underplayed a lot of things well, I appreciate you calling to, to give us the information. Hopefully we'll see, you know, more out of this as, as people return um, with perhaps a different mindset to kind of uh, change the nature of things over here so that we can change the nature of things over there. Precisely. I hope it's making a good impression, a positive impact on the, uh, this young generation that's getting to see this firsthand and they come home uh, seeing the fault in it. Okay. Well, I appreciate the call. Thanks so much, Busby. Be well. Bye-bye. Thanks, you too. Be safe. Yeah, really. Which reminds me, um, uh, I hate to do this in between calls, but I have to. Um, A couple years ago, we were getting prank calls about somebody that was claiming to be from Stone Church in Austin. Right. And uh, one of the associate pastors from Stone Church, who was familiar with the show, contacted me, uh, and we talked and ultimately figured out, okay, it's a prank call, or nobody at Stone Church actually has a problem with this. And he and I went out and had a lunch. Um, this would have been two, two and a half years ago, maybe. Um, and it was the only lunch we had because he was getting ready to uh, pack up and leave and go do mission work outside of the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a news report on CNN the other day about him, and he is now dead. He went out for his morning jog and was killed. Uh, just random gunfire due to hostilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I haven't because they're still trying to, I, I don't know when his, his remains are coming back or what they're scheduling. Yeah. And I'd, I'd never met his wife, but he has a, a wife and a kid, and I'm looking forward to um, at least passing on my sincere condolences because I thoroughly enjoyed the time that I spent with him. I was looking forward to him returning so that maybe we could, yeah. uh, you know, have other conversations and, and do more because I, I interact with a handful of pastors here in the Austin area. Um, for those people who think this is all just about nothing about nothing more than antagonism against Christianity, um, that that's what you see on the show on occasion, depending on the caller. Uh, there's a lot more to what I do, a lot more to what we do, um, and I'm I'm really saddened that somebody uh, 
who I enjoyed meeting and talking to, mm -hmm. um, I'm never going to get to speak to him again. And his family is going to have to uh, deal with his loss. So, Yeah, it's, uh, it, I think it may come as a surprise to people that uh, we don't actually have hostile interactions with very many theists at all. Yeah. Here, most of our interactions with theists, even pastors, are, are very cordial. Well, they have to be. Well, yeah. So you want to be like Jesus. Yeah. But uh, it was it was really sad. Somebody sent me a link to the news saying, hey, there's this pastor guy from Austin who got killed. And I was like, <gasps> and I went back yes. through my emails and checked, and it was, in fact, um, the same person that I'd had yeah. to lunch with from Stone Church. So, um, And he had reached out to us to clarify yeah. this because of yeah. what he heard. I, I didn't call Stone Church. Um, anyway, we've got uh, a few more callers. Let's... Uh, well, I guess we'll go back to Christmas for a second. We've got Adnan in Chicago. How are you? Hey, uh, guys. I really appreciate your show. I, I think it's like uh, you guys have a great, um, great deal of uh, positive um, um, publicity for the atheist cause. My question and my discussion is, I grew up in, I was born in India. I have a Muslim background, but I'm an atheist. But because I was more or less a foreigner, I am of the mindset that Christmas should be banned as a federal holiday. Uh, November 11th with, you know, Memorial Day and Veterans Day and uh, Thanksgiving, those are all secular holidays, so it's to be appreciated. Well, some would argue, some would argue that Thanksgiving is no more secular uh, than, than Christmas. Uh, but, you know, I, I definitely see your point. I can, so, I can tell you why it is that way and why it won't change. Mm-hmm. Um, the practical fact is that if 93% of your population celebrates something that involves taking time off to potentially travel and visit family, um, mm -hmm. it's just a matter of expediency to make it a federal holiday. That doesn't yeah. mean that the, that the government is in any way endorsing the religious aspects of it. They're just acknowledging that it would be best for everybody if we just mm -hmm. go ahead and make this a holiday, just like we do with you know bank holidays yeah. for other stuff. Um, if I it, hear you. It, that's the reason, and it's also the reason it's not going to change. Um, okay. if, if it were, you know, Easter, by the way, uh, mm -hmm. is not a federal holiday. Of course, it falls on a Sunday, so it would never need to be. Yeah. Um, but, you know, outside of Christmas, there really aren't religious events um, that have become federal holidays. This one, and the Christmas as we celebrate it, is like Victorian era uh, revamp, uh, which mm -hmm. is almost entirely secular. Yeah, I understand that. I guess what I'm uh, confused by is, like, I, I, I'm a little bit more of a militant atheist uh, in that sense. So me, my, my solution would be, you know what, give people an option. If you want to take the 25th off, you have that right. But, you know, the government function will, you know, government offices will be open and will give you vacation time or whatever. You get to choose it either if you take it on. Uh, You'd have everybody calling in sick. Yeah. When, when, you, when you have something yeah. that 93% of the population are involved in, yeah, it's it's just the smart thing to do to go ahead and give everybody that time off or as many as possible. By the way, the government still works on Christmas. There's lots of places, and so does some private businesses. Yeah. There, yeah. you know, there are plenty of people. Well, perhaps not plenty, but there are lots of people who are going to be working uh, yeah. over Christmas. Some of whom would prefer to celebrate Christmas. It's not just the people who don't celebrate who've decided to work. Yeah. Um, it's just it's just impractical at this uh -huh. point to, and it probably would have been. Uh, in any case, because, you know, what are you going to do? How can you, you know, okay, it's no longer a federal holiday. Let's just, right now, it's not a federal holiday. 
What do you think businesses are going to do next Christmas on their own rather than have to deal with 93% of their workforce calling in sick? You just can't run a business that way. I, you have a valid point. I hadn't thought of it from that perspective. It's just to me, I, because I'm, I have such an anti-religious uh, opinion, I would like for it to be, you know, no holiday. Yeah, except that, except that the thing that we're celebrating isn't religious. So, I mean, it's yeah. it's kind of, you know, I'm, you're not alone, by the way. I mean, there are other atheists like Tom Flynn who don't think atheists should celebrate anything, um, seemingly. And uh, that's not me. But as I pointed out towards towards the top of the show, um, it's not the, the federal holiday has nothing to do with Jesus's birth, which okay. is just about the only religious aspect of it. Uh, because what you see are decorated trees and lights and gift giving, and if anything, it's more of a commercialized holiday than anything. Um, and Santa Claus and all this stuff, which just isn't tied to religion. So. I, I, at this point, it's it's kind of moot because it's just not going away. Uh, it's enjoyed by too much too many people. Uh, all the secular <laughs> aspects of it. I hear you. And one quick more co- final comment I wanted to make sure. is that I, by no means am I saying you know atheists should not celebrate Christmas. I know Jen. I believe you celebrate Christmas um, as a secular holiday as a family time, not just a secular, yes. but as a family time. Is that correct? Yes. And okay, festivus and. Mm-hmm. Winter solstice and all that stuff, yeah. That's what I have no issue with, again, the celebration aspect of it. But I, I, I'm not saying don't celebrate. I, I don't think that's appropriate. But it's just the, it, for me, it feels like, you know, it's recognized as a federal holiday. And that and that is more of an issue well, than celebration itself. See, what I wish is that um, more people did what, you know, more more businesses and and even government offices did what my company does which they basically mm-hmm. say not much work is going to get done uh, the last week of the of the year anyway between mm-hmm. Christmas and New Year's. So take the last week off. Yeah. yeah. And if you look at it, if you compare the time off that Americans have in comparison with European countries, we have less time off in general yeah. even with these holidays. Um, I, I would argue that, you know, I don't. it doesn't bother me whether or not the federal government declares it a holiday. To me, it's just a matter of, of practicality. Uh, and expedience okay. to do so, uh, but there's no conflict there between church and state because the government isn't mandating that anybody celebrate anything, and they're also not uh, saying, hey, we're going to declare Christmas a federal holiday because we love baby Jesus. I mean, that's just not the way it worked, and so the, there's not a conflict there. Okay, sounds good. Cool. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. Again, you guys do wonderful work. Thank, Thank you much. Bye-bye. <laughs> There we go. Got that off. Um, Chris in somewhere in Hawaii. Yeah. Is it is it Kailua Ka- Kona? <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, I just wanted to. I've been listening to a lot of your, um, uh, or watching and listening to a lot of your videos on YouTube, and I've heard a lot of <laughs> Thea's call in and. Talk about uh, are just aghast that uh, you know we don't consider um, you know oh you die you, you mean you're just going to die and you're not going to have eternal life and <laughs> and I don't know that they've ever considered what eternal life you know how much time that is I mean it's a lot I could visit I could go to each 
every, each and every atom in the universe for a million years, and when I was done, I'd just be getting started. It, it's just, it just, I don't think our brain, uh, they consider how much time that is. So. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I guess it, it's not really meant to be, you know, something they think about that deeply. This is meant to um, alleviate the fear of dying. So, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's all it is, is that, you know, I'm going to go on for eternity. I don't have to die. It's like, well, even if you, even if there is an afterlife, you're still going to die to get there. So Yeah, and some would say it's actually impossible for us to properly um, comprehend infinities, eternities, yeah. that type yeah. of thing. It's just, and what we do know is that, you know, most, most of what we comprehend and understand is a very tiny fraction, both spatially and temporally. And the further we get from where we are, the less we care about it and the less we understand and the less sense it makes. And so the universe has been around for, uh, or the Earth's been around for four and a half billion years. The universe has been around for 13.7 billion or something like that. I can't even really fathom those. I've seen, I've seen demonstrations of, of like stacks of pennies and cubes of pennies and stuff to try and demonstrate if each one of these was a year and how much time we're talking about. And it's still difficult, uh, to really think you got a handle on it. And one of the things is that, you know, I think in, in times when we start talking about numbers, it's just, oh, we added another zero on there. So it's like one bigger. When, when you're actually talking about an order of magnitude bigger and people don't comprehend, you know, that difference. And so when you start talking about forever, uh, it's just, I guess it's just something you just shrug off. I mean, and I, and I don't even know that there's a good way to combat that because I don't know that it's possible for people to really comprehend that. You know, it's, I, I've said before, you, you know, when you're up in heaven forever, aren't you going to get bored? You know, it, and, and I used to say, exactly. I used to say that I didn't want to live forever. I mean, you know, I have friends who are transhumanists and trying to find ways for us, mm-hmm. us to actually live forever in reality for realsies. Um, and I used to say that I wouldn't want that, that the fact that it ends is what, for me, imparts some value. Now, I've changed my mind on that. I no longer think that that's the case. Um, I'd prefer to live just about as long as I possibly could, because one of the things about living in a dynamic universe is that it's very difficult to, to comprehend ever getting bored because you would, even after you surveyed everything, everything would have changed in the time that you surveyed. So there would still be more things to, to, to learn. Yeah. Um, so I would, I would just like to survive at least until the heat death of the universe. After that, at I can't say until what? T- until the universe dies. Oh. <laughs> And if, if you have time for one more thing, I, I, the, the other thing that I've noticed in the calls um, is the, uh, you know, I, I think our brains, and this is just a, my own little hypothesis, but um, our brains just, if we don't understand something, we want to plug something in. And, and you know, there's even optical illusions that are kind of based on that. But mm-hmm. um, when, when theist callers call, call in and they'll say, well, there had to be something designed you know, it, it, I think we need uh, I think we need to maybe approach that mindset differently as in you know, I love how you guys say why and you know, it, it stumbles upon them they, 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 I think most of them just plow right through it without thinking but I was thinking if you just stop them and say hey I, I understand that you 
you want to plug this in, but stop and think for a second, why? Yeah. Uh, oh, we're yeah, that, we're most tough. definitely uncomfortable with not knowing. Um, and it it kind of highlights the, the different approaches between science and faith. And yes. this discomfort with not knowing, faith attempts to plug in these gaps with unsupported assertions in order to ease people's minds about oh, there is some answer, and even if I don't really understand it, uh, God does, or I'll find out some other day, or, you know, I can just plug in this magic thing. And science, on the other hand, recognizes this discomfort we have with not knowing, and it actually attempts to go out and find out what the actual answers are, um, and acknowledges that until such time as we have a good reason to think that we have the best explanation, you know, that we're going to get at this moment, uh, that the answer is, I don't know. And, and it, it's, it's, it's becoming comfortable with acknowledging that you don't know is important. And the only way that I've been able to do it and the way that I've encouraged other people to be able to do it, uh, when they ask about, you know, how do I teach kids? And I've said before, you know, you can teach them how to think and not what to think. And be prepared when they ask you a question that you don't know the answer to, not just to say, I don't know, but to say, I don't know, but let's see if we can go find out to, to kind of foster uh, that yearning for discovery and that inquisitive nature about the universe. Yeah, I think that's, you know, I have an eight-year-old son, and I think um, having him ask me a question that I don't have the answer to and, and then having him see how I handle that is one of the most important things I can teach him. Because, you know, instead mm-hmm. of making something up or, you know, plugging something comfortable in to fill the gap, you know, I, I ask him to you know, get involved with finding the solution with me. Sometimes I know where to find the answer, but I want him to help me find the answer, as, you know, to gain experience doing that. Right. So thanks, thanks a lot for right, the call, we'll Chris. All right, thanks. Appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Bye. Bye. Looks like we're going to stick with Christmas. Yeah. You'd think there was, like, some major holiday coming up or something. But we've got John in Tallahassee. How are you? Hello. Good. Um, I wanted to talk about that billboard that was recently put up by the American Atheist Association in uh, Times Square that said, who needs Christ and Christmas? Nobody. Do you have any comments about that? Because that just really offends me. So what? I mean, I, I, I understand that it offends you. I don't know why it would offend you, because what it actually says is that it's possible for people to celebrate and enjoy Christmas Without Christ, as a matter of fact, all the fun elements of it, um, which is what I was talking about earlier in the show, um, have nothing to do with Christianity. The only thing that have the only Christian parts of it are uh, baby Jesus nativity stuff. And if we took away all the other parts that weren't Christian, uh, Christmas would not be a very popular holiday. They could celebrate that stuff without having some billboard that just is a direct attack on all the Christians out there. Well, what, what's it, what's attacking the Christians? It's just a statement that you don't have to include Christ in, in celebrating this time of year. But why even have a statement like that? What's, because what's people because need to be can. made aware of this, that um, that they've been lied to, first of all, about the nature of Christmas, but also that the, the non-Christian community has been misrepresented. You guys don't own the season or December 25th or Christmas or Santa or any of that stuff. Um, it belongs to everybody. And... Anybody can celebrate anything, anything for whatever reason they want. And, and the fact that you're offended by it, I mean, 
I'm, I'm, I still don't understand what you're offended by, but my comment still stands, so what? You don't have a right to not be offended, and nobody is ruining your Christmas by saying, hey, guess what? We get to enjoy this, too. Well, what's to stop me from just going and putting up my own billboard? Nothing. Go Nothing. for it. That's go what right free ahead. speech is all about. Okay. Well, I'm just going to go tomorrow to talk to the Austin City and put up a billboard that says, Matt Delhunty tickles me. Okay. Okay. Thanks, John. <laughs> Knock yourself out, dude. We can even tell you how much those billboards cost because we we put up a billboard before. I tell you what, you know, I know that at this point uh, that John was pretty much just a prank call. Yeah. Um, but, John, if you really had the money and wanted to do it and wanted to put up a billboard here in Austin that said, Matt Honey tickles me, I might actually chip in a couple bucks because that would be freaking yeah. awesome. Thank, thank, uh, you know, you, you should be, you know, in much the way that I would thank you for doing that, maybe instead of being offended, you should thank Dave Silverman, an American atheist, for putting up a billboard that gets you to talk about stuff. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, all the, uh, let's put Christ back in Christmas. No. No. Sorry. You lost. Don't need Christ in Christmas. That's the whole point of the billboard. Anyway, uh, Lyle in Virginia Beach, thanks for waiting. No, thank you for taking my call. Um, about three years ago, <clears throat> I was diagnosed with uh, cancer. Um, fortunately, I'm in remission. But uh, I noticed when I went to support groups for cancer survivors and caregivers mm -hmm. that invariably somebody would bring up the God talk, how... Having yeah. cancer strengthen their faith or faith or God has got them through this and so forth. And I knew full well from experience that if I was to talk about how being an atheist has helped me deal with having cancer, that I would have been seen as attacking them. And so I, I always felt that I just couldn't fully participate. And so I wanted to start a, a cancer support group, a, a cancer survivor and caregiver support group for non-theists. And my attempts this far have been fruitless. I, I don't you. have a place to meet. I don't have a, a way of getting the word out to cancer patients and caregivers. Um, I talked with people at my oncologist's office, and they didn't seem to be too anxious to help in that. Um, yeah, I was wondering if, if you had any advice on how to proceed. Well, I guess, what did you try to do as far as starting the group? How did you try to reach people? Well, um, I spoke with the people that were leading the groups okay. that I did go to, and and um, most of them hadn't actually started the groups, and they didn't really know much about starting it. Um, okay. And, and again, they... they really had nothing to offer and when i went to the oncologist well not, i didn't talk to the oncologist talked to the people there and um they uh they just said you know if it's they they couldn't offer their facility for the um for the meetings but they basically wished me luck well i i will say that um so the atheist, the secular community, the atheist and secular community, uh, we're growing, and we are starting to do a lot of things that meet some of the needs that people have um, that have, have been overlooked. 
Um, there's organizations you should probably contact if for no other reason than they can give you advice on how to do this. One of the things is, is perhaps to not worry about a meeting space, but to start an online um, group. Uh, the Foundation Beyond Belief is a charitable organization, but there are subgroups, including Grief Beyond Belief, which has a Facebook group uh, where individuals can come and talk and share. Uh, starting up something like that would be good. Um, recovering from religion, maybe that organization might be able to point you in the right direction um, on, on what more you can do or, or how best to achieve this. You could also talk to groups like Secular Sobriety, which it's a, yeah, it's not, it's the, not same the same thing, but, but it's but, it's in the same category. Yeah, and I'd recommend perhaps contacting uh, Greta Christina, who blogs at Freethought Blogs, uh, who is also oh, a yeah. cancer survivor, and um, it may be that there you know that there's some communication there that can happen because right now, the unfortunate reality is that the perception that people in the world have is that uh, if you're going to deal with cancer and be and and uh, have productive. Uh, productive life as a cancer survivor, you either need God stuff or you need to start dealing meth. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, that's a really bad perception to have out yeah. there. And as the secular communities grow, we're starting to meet more of these needs. Um, but I think you may have hit upon one that isn't being met or at least not being met sufficiently. Not that I can find, no. Well, Lyle, I, I, I really want to um, emphasize what Matt was saying about online groups. Um, I would recommend that you start a Facebook page, you know, Virginia Beach uh, Secular Cancer Survivors or something like that. And I bet you'll get some people on there, and it might be that there are people local. It might be that you end up with lots of people from different parts of the country who also don't have the resources that you're looking for. But you know you can you can form a closed group so you don't have everybody just bombing in there with you know wishing you would find Jesus and stuff. Um, yeah, but well, uh, I, I've run a uh, a meetup group for atheists in the local area here. Okay. Yeah. And with with running a, a meetup group, you can have up to three for the same price. So right. I thought about setting up one of those. Yeah. But again, I I don't know who to advertise it to. Oh, that's um, easy. That's Everybody. really, really easy. Send me an email, and mm-hmm. I will tweet about it, uh, which will post to both my Twitter account and Facebook, and I will try to get it to others to tweet about as well. Yeah. Um, okay. That's, yeah, you, that's the quick send, and easy way to do it. If you send an email to the TV list, um, we'll post it on our Facebook groups, and we'll, we'll make it known. Um, I can tweet on my Twitter account and on the ACA's Twitter account. Yeah, and I and we'll while, publicize that. While I only have, I think I've got just less than twenty five thousand followers. Some of the people who follow me have millions of followers. Yeah, and uh, I'll do everything I can to you know get some of them to point to it because it's really easy just to post a link saying, "Are you a cancer survivor in the Virginia Beach area? Uh, here's a secular cancer survivor in the Virginia Beach area. You may want to visit this Facebook page and get involved with with the group." Uh, can't guarantee how many people are going to show up, but uh, send it to me, and I'll do what I can to publicize it. Well, I appreciate that because I've got like four followers. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, thank thank you very much for your advice, and I'll uh, I'll get an email to you when I get the get that set up set up and have a link for it. All right. All right. Thanks, Lyle. Bye. Have a good holiday of your choosing. And congratulations on uh, the remission, and I hope you yeah. stay healthy and get even healthier. Thank you. Bye. Right. Bye. Thanks. Yeah, there's there's so much to do. I know. 
Uh, one of the things that we've talked about many times is the advantage that um, churches and religions have had in society. Yeah. Um, the built-in social networks, the built-in uh, group of people. You know, if, mm-hmm. if I was still a Southern Baptist, I could pack up and move to anywhere in the United States, and I would have an entirely right. pre-built social network there. There are a lot of uh, secular and atheist groups that are doing this, including some of the atheist, quote-unquote, I hate the term, church organizations, basically yeah. the you know various gatherings. Um, and we're doing a better job. We've got a long way to go, but we've started uh, the race late because yeah. churches have had this advantage forever. Well, and, you know, I, I actually, um, a, a few months ago, I was contacted by someone on YouTube who was asking the same question. He, you know, he, he lived in a pretty um, uh, isolated area and no large cities nearby or anything, and he was feeling pretty alone as an atheist, and he didn't know what to do, and he wanted a community, at least some people to have coffee with or something, you know, someone to talk to. And so I suggested to him that he, um, you know, get a meetup, set up a meetup and um, just, you know, go there and see who shows up. And he did. And a few people showed up and he wrote me back and says, oh, I'm, I'm so glad I did this. You know, so if you're out there somewhere and you don't have a community and you'd like to have one, um, you know, just set something up. Uh, yeah, post- 15 or 20 years ago, there were, yeah. weren't even any groups really for secularists yeah. apart from national organizations, just a handful. So, and, and, you know, what, what surprised him was the fact that there were others just like him in his community. And they, everybody was afraid to pop up and say, hey, I'm, I'm over here. Um, but, you know, if somebody gets brave enough to pop up and say, hey, you know, I'm here. I'll be at this coffee shop or this restaurant or whatever at this time. You know, let's get some secular people together. That's how you form a group. Yeah, one of the, one of the coolest and, and perhaps mildly depressing, but it, it's optimistic in the end, stories that I've heard of this were... Um, Two neighbors who shared a back fence and had known each other for many, many years mm-hmm. both showed up at an atheist meeting mm-hmm. uh, for the first time. Had no idea that they had shared yeah. these the same positions, these same views for all of these years because they just avoided talking about it. Getting people talking yeah. is about one of the best things you, you can do. And also, Lyle, uh, in addition to me tweeting it and trying to encourage other people to tweet it, perhaps even better than that is to get a post up on Reddit. Yeah. Uh, because for whatever reason, Reddit can change the whole damn world. Yeah. For better or worse. Yeah. <laughs> hey, this one should be fun. We've got guests in from Southern California. So Thaddeus in West Hollywood, how are you? Hi, I'm great, thanks. Uh, how's it going? Pretty good. good. Uh, the reason I called today is because I had a, a thought. Um, I'm sure that everyone listening is well aware of uh, Christianity's influence over American politics. And uh, I'm sure more than a few people think that it's that it's overly large. Let me let uh, me jump in for half a second here, Thaddeus, because I mentioned sure. earlier that I was supposed to be on a Christian radio show on Friday, and so I was listening to the live stream, waiting for them to call me. Uh, and this is a, a Christian radio show, and the host, uh, because he couldn't take callers, decided to uh, sing a song about the twelve days of Obamacare. So the the, <laughs> the the political views have, I mean, it's not like anybody's even trying to hide anything anymore. Right. Um, but the re- I was thinking about it because I, uh, I was thinking that really a major tentpole of uh, conservatism is personal responsibility, right? Supposedly. Supposedly. And uh, I would say the foundation of Christianity is, is the exact opposite of that. Yeah. Uh, so I think the more people 
that realize this, I mean, original sin, we're all responsible for somebody else's mistakes. Like, that's, that's the foundation of Christianity. Uh, I think the more people realize this, the more that they'll see how cynically they're being used and how any politician who claims to be a Christian is just logically can't be or is so deluded to the point that it's just the sort of mental gymnastics are not, not the sort of thing that we would want to see in somebody who runs the country. I think, I think that could be effective for some um, because Christianity is a label that applies to a vast array of beliefs uh, and positions. But when you're talking about uh, fundamentalists, um, they're, they're tied quite often to political parties that work in opposition to their real welfare because of other positions. So, for example, I have relatives who are, no doubt, single-issue voters. It doesn't matter how bad or how good a party is on any number of issues and how it might affect their well-being. What their position is on abortion is the only thing that matters. And, um, you know, they're, they're doing it, it, it and explaining to them that the Bible doesn't actually have a position on abortion doesn't change it one bit. I mean, they, this, this is so ingrained in them that there's nothing that's going to, to fix this um, a, a, apart from a long period of time of getting them to give up those religious beliefs and, and embrace things a little differently. You, you definitely have a point, and uh, I'm, I know that there are people out there that vote like that. I was just hoping that uh, the more people that look at it from this perspective can really think that I think to a point they know that they're being used, but I th- I'm hoping that it gets to a point where they're being used so cynically that they eventually uh, just abandon the political process altogether. I, I can hope so. Uh, but I'm, I, I can't tell you what's going to happen in the future. All I can tell you is you know, we can keep working towards a secular, rational society and hope we get there. Yep. Well, keep up the great work, guys. Uh, I love your show. Thanks, Thanks so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Uh, I want to try to get to two of these. We'll go to Walt in L.A. It's like Los uh, Angeles. Hello. How, how are we all doing? All right. Good. Good. I've uh, caught the show a few times. Uh, I don't know that I'm a fan, but I enjoyed the debate, and I wanted to bring up a point today of just atheism in general. If you commit your life to not believing in anything, and well, you have no well, I haven't done that. Well, We believe in all you, kinds of things. We just don't believe in a God. If you don't believe in a God, then you don't have any guarantee of any kind of afterlife. After neither, neither do the people who believe in God. You may not have a guarantee, but you do. There is, if you believe in this in an entity that guarantees you something afterwards, at least it makes a claim to. Well, what, what, if, what if you die and it turns out some other religion was correct? It's a better bet than having nothing, wouldn't you say? No. no Why would that be a better bet? You're completely wrong, and I'm not completely wrong, because I'm not saying that something else is God. But you don't have any guarantees, and my God gives you a guarantee. Yeah, right. but you don't know that that's real. You don't know that that's true. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it is. How? how? Well, what makes be- you think your God is real? Because his name is Vicky Pancho. Hey. Thanks. I think I'm just, you know, we might just declare moratorium on, on Pascal's wager again, just because yeah. 
uh, I tend to think that most Christians, most theists, uh, who would actually like to engage in conversation aren't going to be quite so stupid as to use such a, a transparent version of Pascal's wager. Uh, And such a silly, phony voice. Well, you know, this kind of gets into something I kind of wanted to bring up in the show today. And and I'm not, you know, uh, upset that we didn't get to my email that I wanted to talk about. But basically, you know, people, a lot of atheists like to make fun of of theists and say, oh, they're kind of dumb. And they, you know, these are the atheists who are patting themselves on the back for getting the obvious answer to an easy question, okay? Um and before you start doing that, if you're somebody like Walt, okay, let's keep in mind that theists are not dumb, okay? That they don't believe, uh, they, they believe things that we think they don't have a good reason to. I think they're wrong about a lot of stuff, but it doesn't mean I think they're stupid. Um, most of them are just indoctrinated, and there's a huge difference between being indoctrinated and just being dumb. Um, you can be indoctrinated and be very, very intelligent. And the okay. more intelligent you are, the better you are at rationalizing exactly. away the, re- the things that, that go in opposition to what you believe. Exactly. And so, you know, if you're going to parody um, a Christian, at least try to do a good job about it. Because, yeah. I mean, that was, I, that's not only insulting to Christians, it's kind of insulting to atheists. Plus, it's insulting to L.A., and I have guests here from yeah. that area. So uh, for you to for you to represent L.A. in that way, it's just horrible. Yeah. But so let's let's try and get to a couple. Oh, we lost one. Yeah, we got. Uh, Brent, oh, Brent is the only one we got left here. Let, so. let me. I haven't. Oh, yours is updated different from mine. Yeah. Um, we had somebody on from Provo, Utah, uh, and the question was supposed to be: As a recent atheist living in Mormon, Utah, how should I deal with my Mormon friends and family? First of all. Uh, it's a good time to point out that in Salt Lake City, Utah, over Easter weekend in 2014, coming up yeah. just a few months from now, American Atheists will be having their annual convention there. Um, and so if you can't find answers between now and then, make a pilgrimage to the atheists in Salt Lake City and uh, meet up with other people to discuss ways that you can perhaps deal with some of that. Yeah. Maybe we should tell John in Tallahassee that he should be offended that we in the American Atheists are usurping the most holy holiday in the Christian calendar every year. I think Tallahassee was, was no, that was allowed. Never mind, you're right. Yeah. So every year the American Atheist Convention is held over Easter weekend. Yep. We are usurping your holiday again. And speaking of Christmas, we have uh, at least one more Christmas call. Brent in Costa Mesa, how are you? Hey, I'm good. Can you guys hear me? Yes. Uh, I, I, I know I only have five minutes left, so I'll try to be brief. I received a, uh, I'm, uh, due to your show and, and, uh, and, and a lot of science and facts, I've decided to become an atheist, and this is the first time calling in as an atheist. Awesome. Uh, okay. I've called in several times before. Uh, I just want to mention Wait, that you my called mom, in before? Did you call in as a theist to argue with us? Th- that's correct, I did. Ah. And I thought I had really good debates that you guys were properly addressing. So somebody um, somebody flagged this for the YouTube post for all the people. Who, that's right. Sometimes what happens is uh, I'll get emails yeah. from somebody who says they've called many times and, and now they've changed their mind, but it's rare that they actually call back in. So thanks for doing that, and carry on. Well, let, let me tell you, I mean, I wanted to speak on the, the Christianity versus uh, Christmas thing real real briefly. My, my, my mom asked me, okay, if you're not going to be, if you're going to be an atheist now this year, then I'm not going to buy you gifts for Christmas. Uh, 
Yeah, I've heard that before. And, uh, and I just wanted to know what res- I, I wanted to tell you guys how I responded to her. I just told her that, like, you know, uh, I don't think uh, Christianity, I don't think Christmas is about Jesus. I think it's about an equally fictional fat man that goes down chimneys and, and provides gifts for people. And, and I, have, I, I, I never even heard my mother say the name Jesus on Christmas. Me personally, it's always about Santa Claus. So, the fact that something doesn't exist doesn't stop me from celebrating the holiday. Yep. Personally, yeah. I, I don't know if I mentioned this. I don't think I mentioned it on the show. I mentioned it to John beforehand. One of the things that Beth and I have been doing for fun is we drive around neighborhoods in Austin. Did I mention this? On yeah, the show? but seeing which like uh, which displays, actually, yeah, out of four hundred and some odd homes, yeah, yeah. I, I guess I did mention that. All right. Yeah. Uh, so. But yeah, so the other point I wanted to make uh, is probably the, the reason, essentially, that I became an atheist, and I want to share it with the world uh, because it's, it's just facts and that can be verified, independent of yourself. You can just Google it. And this is the very one-paragraph one summary of why I'm an atheist. My, my mother sent me an email asking me, why are you an atheist now? And I responded with this. I'm going to read it to you. I said, uh, Let me tell you what the result of rejecting God is. More wealth, health, happiness, intelligence, and morality. Proof. Here's the proof. Mississippi is the most religious state. Google it. But ranks last for health, last for wealth, last for GDP, and is also the most racist state in America. Ranks almost last for happiness, 48 out of 50. Uh, It's fourth worst in natural disasters, I want to point out, so God definitely doesn't bless his followers. Second to last in intelligence, and the, the second worst in pr- prison population per capita. Meanwhile, only 0.02% of people in prison are atheists, and Vermont, the most atheist, atheistic state, ranks first in intelligence, fifth for happiness. Uh, the, the, stati- the statistics go on and on, and hey, some Brent, on a statewide basis, Brent, but also countrywide. I, I got I to cut you off there, because they're getting ready to put up the credits, because we're actually... We're done here in like 30 seconds. Um, I will say that while I'm encouraged uh, that, you know, you're, you're dealing with this and, and addressing it, uh, that you should exercise some caution because correlation isn't causation. Um, and that's kind of the argument that you're trying to make there. Um, it doesn't necessarily tie to the truth or fiction of religious claims. But I got to go because they're Matt, actually kicking us. At the very us. least, Matt, I think it's proof. We're done. From the kids to Aunt Sue. Keep your whole family connected on all their devices with crowd-pleasing gig-speed internet from Xfinity. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY or visit today. Restrictions apply. Actual speed vary and not guaranteed.